to approve or not to approve the Bitcoin ETF? <laughs> and what about the price action? If or if not, it's approved. We're going to discuss that. We're going to talk biotech stocks at uh, 835 with a new guest. So get prepared for that. HPA and Juniper, that's a done deal. Paying a hefty price tag and borrowing all the money. Got to talk about Boeing. I flew yesterday. Not happy about it. It's Wednesday. It's pre-market prep. Let's get back over 4800 Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. Welcome to today's show. Don't call it a triple top until it is a triple top. We have one here at 4804. We're trading down a buck and a quarter at 4791.50. The buck in the red by 13 cents at 102.15. We have bonds up a quarter point, 122.19. Crude hanging out in the lower 73 handle, up a buck 04, moving in on that trend line at 73.28. Gold hanging out, up 330 at 20.36.30. Silver degreed by a couple pennies at 23.11. And Bitcoin all over the map, but down today, down $2,235 at $44,800. And I'm all fired up. I'm feeling good, but I'm only a third of the team. Let's bring in Triple D. Yeah, I'm not feeling as well. This flu bug is something, man. And I will talk about blue here in a second, but I got this Saturday night, and Sunday I was in bed all day. Monday I was feeling pretty good. Did the show with you guys. Tuesday feeling pretty good. I'm like, I'm getting through it. Last night just hammered again. And now I've got a headache. I've got the chills again. It's like a second wave of it hit me. I'm like, I was like sinking by today. I'm like going to be all better. And today's been the worst day. So you were saying though, Dana got this in the last like seven days, eh, Joel? Yep. 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 She got it. In fact, uh, she had the, she had to miss the national championship game. She wasn't feeling well enough. Yeah. She wasn't well enough to travel. So she, uh, Yeah, so uh, a lot of things going on, uh, you know, uh, that are going around. But uh, if you need to uh, sneak out any time today, uh, go yeah, ahead. We're going to try uh, to fight through it. Just a bad headache. That's the worst thing right now. Throat hurts and bad headache. But chat, let me know, you know, if you guys um, you had this for five, six, seven days. Just curious if this is just the way this thing works, you know, because it starts getting concerning when you feel like you're getting better and then all of a sudden you get worse again. So I don't know what's going on, but. I'm going to try to fight through it for you today, but tell us about, you know, the championship. Oh, I don't want to go on and on and on and on. But like I've I've told you, like uh, it was just uh, a bucket list kind of thing. I did get to share it uh, with my uh, my wife, Lisa, and also my sister, a long term fan. Uh, It was just crazy. Uh, City of Houston. I give you two thumbs up. They did a great job. Uh, Just a, a lot of fun. But. Man, oh, man, the, the flying situation here. I, I just want to talk about, you know, Boeing here. And uh, holy mackerel, did that mess things up for my travel yesterday? Did it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Big time. Um, We were supposed to be on one of those flights through United through a 737. Oh, wow. Uh, we got to the airport at 11 o'clock and we tried to go two standbys. We didn't leave until six o'clock and we had to do four gate changes. So, um, you know what? They're, they're already, you know, they're already, uh, you know, saying, yeah, it's our fault. It's, uh, it's our problem. I see the stock got hammered yesterday, but holy mackerel did that. And there was also some storms, you know, going around. There's a storm in the Southeast. Also, while we were in the uh, NRG energy field, there was a tornado warning during the game. Holy, yeah. Everything going on. Yeah, everything going on. But, uh, uh, I mean, this Boeing stock, 
down 25 cents. They hammered it. The only thing I'm going to say about Boeing, and then we can move on to this Bitcoin news, is when Bowie gets going in one direction, get out of the way. Look what you did in September through November. Yeah, true. Yeah. And don't and be it, early. Don't be yeah. early trying to call a bottom on this one. Yep. Because we know when trying they start to call digging in, they often find more issues. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, I, I just, I don't know. I think I just want to drive up north, but. Let's bring in Aaron. How are you doing, Aaron? I left you with Triple D for a couple days. How'd you do? We survived. We did it. Dennis and I had a great time the past couple we days. Uh, you know, a lot of headlines, of course, on Monday to start the week. You had Boeing crashing. You had different biotech acquisitions. We had a lot of news to cover. Of course, uh, you mentioned probably the biggest headline coming into today on the Bitcoin front, which all, all the talk for the crypto bros this week has been about the Bitcoin ETF approval, which looked like it happened yesterday after the close until it did not. Um, but, you know, so should we get into Bitcoin or do you want to stay on Boeing for oh, one more I think second? Into the Bitcoin because. Yeah, after, after the close. Crazy the, action. The SEC tweeted that the approval, which is, uh, you know, expected to happen at some point this week or next. Uh, that the SEC did approve at uh, the Bitcoin ETF and that first Bitcoin started ripping. And then, Dennis, we were talking about this before the show, very quickly after that rip up. And it wasn't that, you know, it was maybe like one and a half, two percent higher. Bitcoin started to sell off uh, and it looked like that it started to sell off even before news came out that this tweet was not legitimate. So within you know, 20 minutes, you had a Bloomberg article and Gary Gensler tweeting saying, Hey, look, that was not a real tweet. So our, our account was compromised. Um, but even before that, it looked like Bitcoin was selling off. Now it's, it's hard to tell if it was selling off, you know, just as normal price action, just a normal, you know, sell the news type event, because there was speculation before the confirmation that it was uh, a compromised hack tweet, because the tweet itself, uh, and I'll pull it up here had, uh, you know, hashtag Bitcoin, some stuff where people were like, would the SEC really tweet like this? So um, can you show the tweet or was it deleted? Yeah, I'll, I'll show it. Um, I, I got to pull it up real quick. And then um, but our our guy. Uh, so Bill Haddad here at Benzinga, who's one of the guys on Benzinga Pro is watching headlines all the time when he shared the news with, you know, that's this is how I first found out because he's watching the headlines, shares the news within 30 seconds. He said. SEC Twitter posting about Bitcoin ETF, but validity is questionable. Nothing confirmed on SEC website, and the posting with the Bitcoin cash tag looks kind of unusual. So we were on who it. Who said that? Who Bill, said that? Bill Haddad, uh, one of our, our Benzinga Pro news desk guys uh, who, who's doing the headlines. So he was on top of it from from the get-go saying, uh, yeah. what'd you say? Yeah, it was I a good call, a good call by it, Bill. It, it was a great call by Bill. Um and then again, let me just pull up this tweet real quick. But this morning, Bitcoin's continued sell-off. So I'm curious if traders are kind of saying like, hey, look, we got a we got a sneak peek into how this thing is going to trade when it gets approved uh -huh. and it's not pretty. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know if that's it or if it's just trading down on the thing saying, hey, like, is this thing, you know, not going to be uh, really approved? What are we looking at here? So uh, how are we trading this morning? Does it look like we're going to be able to uh, to come back at all? Well, well, first of all, I just I hate to come back and go on rants right away. But what good Allowed. is Twitter? What 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 good is Twitter? I don't this, know. Twitter if, is if, a mess. Well, if this kind of thing happens, I mean, they they get hacked. The SEC gets hacked. I mean, I know it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you could trade off that news. You could get information off that. But I mean, you know, I was, you know thinking about, you know, being a little bit more active on it and doing things I've been, haven't been. And then th this kind of stuff happens. It's, I mean, what kind of security is going on? What the heck did he do? I know this happened before, but I mean, what a, it just, what a, a what was a really good th flow of information? And now look what happens. I think if you're holding Bitcoin into this thing, you see this kind of price action. I mean, what? What are you expecting? It got the pop. It had a big premium into it. If it get, it's almost like if it gets approved, it's going down. 
And if it doesn't get approved, it's going to get crushed. I mean, I like what you said there, Aaron, about, about um, you know, you maybe getting a sneak preview in, in, into what actually I happens. So, so yeah. I, I, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I mean, if you want to ring the register, if you've had this, I mean, if you're a holder, you know, and looking for this thing to go to 100000 then you're never selling. Then you should yeah. even worry about it. You should even worry about this tweet. But if you're sure about, you know, about Dennis, you come on, you talk about events, right? Run-ups into events. Is this yeah. probably the most classic run-up into event in the most hyped, you know, um, what are we, I mean, I can't call it yeah. like a, a meme stock, but a meme coin. I mean, what do you think about it? But no, it's the, it's definitely one of the most hyped um, you know, and, and any security that we've seen for a very long time. So I do agree with Aaron. When you're looking at the pricing action, and that's what we can do is we can look at the tape. You can see that, you know, Bitcoin rallied for about three or four minutes and then started getting hammered. And that news that Bloomberg was actually the first one to break it, that, hey, this is not approved yet, came a good 15 minutes later than that. So I do believe that this was selling off just because it was a crowded trade. And this is the sell the news event. Then, you know, the news of the hack, and then they hammered it farther. So um, I, I think it is a preview into, you know, that, hey, this is a very crowded long right now. And you're going to shake some people out. So the question is, going forward here, does this mean that all the money's been made in Bitcoin? You know, like we've had the big run-up? Or does it, does it have a blip down? shake more people out and then goes higher i am one of those hodlers joel i've had bitcoin okay. in my long-term account for a couple of years here now um i've done i did really well on it i kept a piece and i'm like i'm gonna hold that piece forever and just you know if it goes to zero it goes to zero if it goes to a hundred thousand it goes to a hundred thousand um I, and and that's where i'm at on it and like it's not a huge chunk of my portfolio it's less than one percent but it's still a chunk so a little, like a little piece. So like a, any, like yeah. a, a little less than a normal size position. Another way to look, don't we, we already have some Bitcoin ETFs, correct? That are out there? Maybe well, the now Bitcoin we have current ETFs in Canada, they do. In Canada, they do okay. have Bitcoin ETFs. Um, here we have what's called the BITO, where you have companies strategy ETF where they're holding Bitcoin, but it's not like, tracking perfectly with bitcoin it's just that they're holding a it's a company that's bought a bunch of bitcoin that's trading publicly so it's not like a normal etf where you get the creation redemption to keep the price right perfectly in line with bitcoin all the time so that's the difference is that these are strategy etfs we know even mstr has basically become a bitcoin proxy because it's something like 80 percent of their of their holding is is bitcoin so i mean there that that's you know so we do have companies that are mimicking etfs even calling themselves an etf but they call themselves strategy etf we don't have the official etf the etf is coming the etf is coming so yeah the um, new one will be a spot etf which tracks yeah, the, the price which will track bitcoin. it perfectly yeah exactly and, 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 could just detract from owning bitcoin i know a lot of people's reservation about owning bitcoin is you know your hacks your wallets and everything could just actually pull money you know um people are anticipating oh oh yeah now people can own put bitcoin you know without having but could this actually like people have been worried about this for a long time They'll say, you know what, you know, now, now it's, it's time to, you know, pull my, until this is more, uh, you know, uh, more apparent, you know, how these things are running. Who's behind that, you know, the the run-ups and the run-downs. You know, maybe, maybe this is, uh, we'll take money out of Bitcoin or go into the ETF. Um, that's possible. I think this is all just, in the big scheme of things, I think, you know, as a trade, I think it has run up a lot into this. So I think I'm with Aaron that you could see a pullback after the actual, just on the whole, you know, selling the news event. But I think there's enough buyers beneath that okay. you have underneath demand for this. And I think any sell-off will be somewhat short-lived. I do think, I wouldn't hold it in my long-term account if I didn't think it was going higher. I do think Bitcoin's eventually $100,000. It just hasn't gone away. You know, when we talked about it, it took me a long time to become a crypto believer. And I'm not even a crypto believer. I'm a Bitcoin believer. You know, there's like a, you know, thousands of coins out there. I'm not going about doggy coin and all the other ones. You know, I had some Ethereum for a while, but I'm basically with Bitcoin. 
Um, and I just think it hasn't gone away. There's so many believers here that, you know, are we going to transact in Bitcoin one day? I don't think so. But it is that store of value. It has become a legitimate security. And if the ETF comes, it's going to make more people invest in it, I think. So I think it still eventually in the long run goes higher. And is there any chance that this doesn't get approved? Yeah, there is. Does it just get slaughtered and never come back? You know, I think the approval, I think because of this hack now, I think whatever imminent approval was here is probably going to be delayed. Yeah. So I don't think we're going to have an imminent approval this week now because that, well, how would that look? You know, they get hacked. They, let's say hypothetically they're going to, they were going to approve it tomorrow. Are they going to announce that today now after this whole hacking thing? Or are they going to do some investigations and look farther into this? Because I, I I think that any imminent, like if they were ready to approve it, I think this whole hack thing just all of a sudden makes them, you know, have to dot I's and cross T's a little bit more. So what I think it does is actually delay it a little bit. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys have messed around on this poly market site, but it's basically a trading like probably, you know, betting site. Uh, so they have, and this is actually ran by crypto, you know, the poly market, but the Bitcoin approved by January 15th. Yes. So you can buy shares of yes at 84 cents. So then if it does get approved, you get, you know, <laughs> bought at a dollar per share. So you can make a tiny bit there. But no is at 17 cents. So I'd buy those uh, no's right now. Yeah. I mean, no, yeah. I feel like for, by the I 15th. Think after, that's really I think that's very poorly valued here now because I don't think there's any chance getting approved by the 15th. That's in five uh, days. That's always a chance. I shouldn't say that. But I think the, the imminent approval will be delayed now because of this hack. I think that's what it's done. Yeah, just my opinion. I have no crystal ball, no contact at the SEC. I, you know, but at the same time, I think that it's going to be past January 15th. Of course, you're taking the other side, Triple D, because you're looking at the risk reward ratio. Oh, yeah, right? I pay 84 <laughs> 17. Yeah, right. come on now. I, Dennis, yeah, Dennis, I don't know. Five if you're to gonna... one, one to five. I don't know if you're gonna be able to figure Who's out buying that to, at 84 short that man. I don't know if you're gonna be able to figure out how to work this site and buy the right crypto no, and figure it out. I've 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 tried to and it's 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 complicated. But the one thing going back to the, the Bitcoin chart, um, I think in a normal situation when you have a you know big retail interest in a asset like this, like Bitcoin or a meme stock, whatever it is, and you have all these people in chat rooms talking about it, I think normally there would be a lot of talk about. Hey guys, be careful. This could be a sell the news event, right? If a energy stock is looking for a DOE loan or a biotech stock is looking for an approval. But with crypto, with like the, the people that are super into Bitcoin, there's never any talk about selling. It's all HODL. It's all this. So yeah. I think there might be a lot of people that are like, we can't talk about sell the news because then if everyone's talking about sell the news, then we're, you know, this is going to be a whole thing and it's going to crash. So I think there are a lot of people that might be thinking it being like, huh, I've made 30% on Bitcoin the last couple of months. Should I sell it? But they don't want to talk about it in these chat rooms and stuff because like I said, it's 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 like a, uh, I don't want to call it a cult, but like the people that are super into crypto, super into Bitcoin, you never hear them talking about trading it or selling it. It's all about just keep buying as much Bitcoin as you can hold. Yeah, and and, and you make a good point. I think the majority of people just aren't selling this thing. So yeah. what is it, like 80%, you know, just our holders out there, and it's like the 20% that's trading back and forth. So I, I think you make a good point. Um, yeah. I'm done with the crypto talk, though. Bitcoin yeah, was let's... fun. The hack was fun and everything to watch the action in it, but we're stock traders here. Yeah, Paul's so right. other other stocks. Other big uh, head headlines this morning. We talked about it yesterday, Dennis, but the Hewlett Packard uh, acquisition now of Juniper is official. Uh, yes. Stock trading higher. So we, what was the the buyout? Was what forty dollars a share on uh, on, on Juniper? Yeah, forty in cash. So that surprised me because I thought with the size of this deal relative to HPE's market cap. I thought they would do it in stock, but they're borrowing the money. It's right in the press wow. release. They're going to go borrow the money to do this deal. So what does that mean? One, you can ask, like, I even had a trader reaching out to me. He's like, why don't I just buy 37 and flip this out at 40, you know, when the deal gets done? Well, two reasons. We talk about this all the time. The time value of money. How long is this deal going to take? Because the time value of money is no longer zero. It's 5% a year. So if you think, well, it's got to go up, you know, uh, you know, three bucks. Well, that's 10%. I mean, if it takes two years, it'd be a bad deal. Not even if it takes a year and a half, it'd be a bad deal. The second issue is that this administration has talked about blocking a lot of deals. So, I mean, this isn't just a slam dunk that it's going to get approved. And risk arbs are pricing that risk in as well. 
So that's why you see this thing at $37. I mean, if they're you know going to stop Amazon from buying iRobot, there's a possibility they may be skeptical of HP buying Juniper Networks. So I think the deal probably gets approved, but risk arbs are being cautious. Time value of money is real here, folks. These cash deals don't go to 40. When we were in like 2021, when the time value of money was almost zero, and you know we were in a bull market, these deals would go to 41 because they thought they were going to get a better deal. That doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> that does, no, so no. risk arbs, this is normal trading markets. I've done risk arbitrage for 25 years, did it with bright trading for a long time as well, specialized in risk arbitrage, so I know what I'm talking about. Risk arbs will give you a significant discount for the time value of money as well. So that's the consideration here is this takes over a year to get done. That's a lot of money sitting there idle. Lose. Lose if you had it at 5%. My question is, are they, are they getting a fixed rate or a floating rate on this? I don't and, think uh... we have the details on that no, totally yet. But I mean, I don't know. Like part of me thinks like HP should maybe rally a bit on this because they really sold it off hard. They typically kill the stocks when they're all stock deals because of the dilution effects. But when you are just borrowing more money, if they think they're getting a decent rate on it, you know, maybe, you know, that's, and and again, maybe it's the leverage that they're going to be scared of. So maybe it doesn't rally that much, but um, I'm not surprised it's trading up a little bit on this because it isn't dilutive. But again, that's a lot of debt for HPE to take on. Bad day yesterday, real bad day yesterday, trading up 11 cents here in the pre-market. Uh, I guess you could look at this, uh, this this area right now, kind of where you made, well, we did dip under 16, but I'm looking at uh, like a, right now you got three uh, daily lows in the uh, lower 16 handle. So if people are going to look at it like, hey, this is a good deal. They're buying some growth overall. This is going to help the company. I would look for this uh, uh, to form a base around 16. And maybe you got this spike low under 16. But if the big boys really like this deal, they think this finally going to jumpstart this company. I would expect the bid to form, you know, 1580 to 1610, 1620, and then turn around and uh, and take it back up. I just, I, I lament about the Cisco. You know, they did that big acquisition. They gapped it down. They held it there for a while. But look. You know, look how long. I mean, different dynamics and stuff. Uh, but um, we'll see. We'll see if uh, the big boys like HPE making this deal here, see if it can hold the $16 level. There's another headline I wanted to get to as well. Sneaky one last night, press release, Lennar. They got these home builders here that just have so much cash. They are raising their dividend from $150 to $2. And they are also um, doing an additional $5 billion buyback. So, I mean, we know buybacks can really drive stock price. Think about Dillard's. Think about, you know, like Apple's. You know, a lot of their share price has just been driven by buybacks and driving down those number of outstanding shares. So, we know the home builders have been printing money for a long time. If interest rates start to actually go down, that's only going to help them further. So, Lennar is breaking out. It's not far from an all-time high. They're yeah. doing a huge buyback here. I mean, everything right. I mean, you are chasing. The stock was $102 in October, so it's up 50% in two months. But buybacks going to drive it a little bit further here today. Uh, well, the moment... Go ahead. Go ahead, uh, Aaron. Sorry about that. No, give me the technicals real quick. I'll go next. Uh, two things. Uh, well, first, you got a nice pop, so you want to take out the pre-market high. This is a real interesting area between 150 and 155. I believe you shot up there over earnings and then you came back down pretty hard. So I'll see if you find sellers take a shot in here. 154.81 is your old time closing high. Uh, for me, if they like to buy back, they like to raise the dividend, then this 150 rock solid resistance over the last three weeks. I expect to find a bid at 150 if they like what the company is doing. And Dennis, I didn't get to do it. But I saw Dillard's. I wanted to go into Dillard's. We were staying in downtown Houston. There was a, but they're the Galleria Mall. I saw Dillard's. And, of course, you go to a football game, you're not really going to malls. So I won. And uh, actually, I had a cousin about that lives in the Dallas uh, area. He came to visit in Houston. I'm like, what is with Dillard's? You know, what is with Dillard's? Why is it a great store? And you know what he Just said? Buybacks. I've never been in there. <laughs> no, so. I know. Well, and, and my dad was a fan of Dillard's. And this is what he always told me like 15 years ago. 
he they would go to Florida every year and they go to Dillard's and I'd be talking about this stock, you know, doing really well. He's like, Dennis, these stores are huge. There's never anybody in there. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just a Florida thing because I I went to the Dillard's in Chicago and it was pretty dang busy. But um, you know, so maybe it's just a Florida thing. But he's like, there's like 20 employees in here and 10 customers always. He's like, I he's like, I don't think it's gonna stay in business. Well, here it is, 15 years later. You know, it's funny and you know, and Dillard's is still one of the best stocks out there. So they figured out, you know how to maximize those customers, I guess, because I don't see how it's different than Macy's or Nordstrom or Kohl's. They've all struggled, but there is Dillard's just continues to make new all-time highs. Yeah, and we we talked about this week, just the, all the mall stocks. I'm talking. I'm not talking about actual malls because I'm not really bullish on malls, but the stores you can find within malls have been absolutely ripping this week, whether you're talking Crocs, Abercrombie & Fitch, uh, American Eagle, Urban Outfitters, Macy's, Dillard's, all these stocks have been crazy. But going back to home builders real quick, because Dennis, you kind of read my mind and went to home builders uh, with, with uh, Lennar. Tomorrow, we have the first big IPO of the year. That is Smith Douglas Homes, which is seeking a $1.8 really? billion valuation on its IPO. Uh, coming out tomorrow, it's expected to be in the $18 to $21 uh, oh, share price. I do have a symbol for you, Dennis. It is SDHC. SDHC will start trading. Will start trading tomorrow. I'll put that in the chat. It's in my Uh, system. It's ready to go. Ready to go. Zero. It's yesterday's close is zero. The open is zero. It's all zeros, but it's in there. It's in the system. Yep. So tomorrow, I'm sure we'll cover this. uh, You know, or maybe we'll we'll mention it again real quick tomorrow morning. Um, And then another another. so yesterday, Dennis, you gave your acronym. We're still waiting on Joel's. We're still going to be waiting on mine. But I want to give a tease. And one stock that will be in there for sure is Alibaba. Uh, Alibaba yesterday got two downgrades. One from uh, JP Morgan lowered its price target from 125 to 110. And then Benchmark lowered its price target from 150 to 128. Stock, man. Uh, now, if you're going to ask me, do these do these uh, downgrades deter me from putting it in my acronym? The answer is: Is no. it going to be in the AB acronym? It is going to look the 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 symbol itself is B A B A. So there's lots of A's and B's already in it. So it feels and like you're it, called it, A B. It, this it, is just like your stock. I know. Oh, I got yeah. it. A B B A. Baba and Boeing, those should be your stocks. Baba um, and Boeing, yeah. the A, the B A B A A B B A acronym. Preview and ABs, he's gonna have B and Baba. You know what? This stock is probably the most hated stock on the street. It trades seven times earnings, and we all know it's the geopolitical risk. But you know, when Jack Ma went missing there for a while, and we're like regulatory no and all this stuff. No big deal. Yeah, well, it is a big deal to shareholders, and that's why they sold it down <laughs> to this. But I'm gonna tell you. $70 is epic support. And you know what? I've lost a lot of money trying to call breakdowns before in this market. So if you want to take a shot at this thing, at 71.30 this morning. You want to take a shot in the 70s. I won't argue with you. Just know overnight anything can always happen. I mean, this you know regulatory risk is just a, an issue with all China stocks. But you know, if you're taking a shot at 70, I, it's worked before. This 70 level has worked before. It's worked before. So you know what? You know, part of me wants to go in here. If AB's getting in there and getting down and dirty, part of me wants to take a little chunk and buy some Baba here too. I sold my stock way up at $240. I could get it back way cheaper than I bought it originally. I think I paid like 110 for that puppy, you know, years ago. So, you know, like a year after the IPO. You're getting it down near the IPO. These are all almost all-time lows for Baba, and it's just grown. If you believe the earnings, it's just grown and grown and grown and grown and grown. So I mean, unbelievably cheap. This may be the cheapest stock out there, but this cheap stock just finds a way to get cheaper. So um, I have none in the portfolio, but you could talk me into it, AB. I I, I don't. I'm gonna have a really hard time coming up with an acronym because I have one with a really, really hard letter. And also Dennis, you're going to yell at me because when I tell you what the stock is, so I'm not going to reveal it, but uh, let's see if I could find uh, some other things that uh, I thought your are, acronym would be blue. 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 Yeah. Go blue. No, <laughs> that's, no. That's we, I was like, Joel's going to come and figure out an acronym for go, BLUE. Go, bro, Oracle. Yeah. Wait, what? what uh, I'll tell you, there, there, there's Boeing. one. 
I can tell you that uh, Las I, Vegas have the, Sands. I, I have the one I actually Unity. did it at, the, at the end of last year, but I can tell you one of the acronyms too. And I know it's a, it's a broken record, but man, there's still money out there at five, five and a half, six percent. So you can, you know, there's going to be a C in there. Gosh. Yeah. It's yep. not bad. I mean, I it, the rates care. have come down. The rates yep. have come down. I locked in a bunch, a big chunk of money of 5.72% for two years. I was as good as I did um, on the cash portion of my portfolio because I always carry some cash. So I'm like, I'm happy to get, you know, like you always got to have some cash for a rainy day. So, you know, I, I never go to 100% fully invested. I never, it's just not my style. I'm not, I'm not like AB here, a young, you know, young, oh, yeah. he got yep. his whole life ahead of him here. You know, me and Joel, we're starting to get older. Like, I get these sicknesses yeah. now. I don't recover from them like I used to. Look, I know, guys, everyone in the chat's trying to trying to talk me out of Baba. Look, I know when I look at a chart and it looks like this, it's ugly. I kind of I like to get down and dirty. I like to take stabs at these ones that are beaten down. I do, and, too. You know, you know, sometimes it works out. A lot of times it doesn't work out. But, you know, I think I'm willing to take my risk on Baba. Not going to be a huge position in my – I actually do already have it in my Roth, but I'm going to add more – down here when i make my acronym what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna make a buy i, I want to figure out guys what we should do is i'm gonna set up like a portfolio tracker so we can track all three of our acronyms sure. throughout the year uh and see how they perform see if we can outperform the market with our uh acronyms uh and then yeah of course amgen is is the last one in yours dennis uh that was the only one so yesterday was a really good day for my acronym nvidia exploded higher than smci was a monster AMD was up. It was Amgen. Amgen was the laggard. I'm like, I should have went all AI. Put the last one like AVGO and just go all AI, all in AI. But I did three AI stocks and the weight loss drug. So I had the Kramer in my head. Stay diversified. So I had to get a little bit of healthcare mixed in there. But well, I don't know all four of those companies. Glad you're talking about healthcare, uh, Dennis. We do have a, a new guest coming on today on Pre-Market Prep that I'm excited about. We're going to be talking some healthcare, of course. Uh, this week is the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. We've had a lot of headlines uh, come out of that. We had some acquisitions to start the week. Johnson & Johnson buying Ambrex uh, Biopharma. We had Boston Scientific uh, acquiring Axonix. So uh, we've got Lise Augusto, healthcare analyst from Global X ETFs, hanging out backstage. What do you say, guys? Should we bring her on and start talking some yeah. uh, some bi some biotech? Let's do it. All right. Well, guys, chat. First time guest. You guys know how to how to be civil, be nice. We're gonna go ahead and play our intro. When we come back, uh, we'll be talking some healthcare. All right, Lise, how are you doing this morning? Do you like our Lise or Lise? What should we call you? Lise. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Good morning to you as well. So before we get started, do you want to just talk about uh, Global X ETFs, what you do there? Yeah, absolutely. So I cover healthcare. I'm the healthcare analyst here at Global X, uh, a thematic ETF player uh, in the healthcare space. We have biotechnology and genomics, ticker genome. Uh, we have more so large cap in medical devices via our aging population fund, uh, ticker AGNG. We also have, for example, digital health and telemedicine, ticker EDOC. So really uh, sort of spanning the gamut of the healthcare innovation space, as well as beyond some tickers that are obviously well-known, AIQ, bots, et cetera, with the AI craze. Um, so happy to be here today and, and speak through a few of the um, interesting innovations that are happening in the healthcare space, particularly in light of the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference and here in San Francisco, a lot of excitement in the city. Um, so happy to, to dive in. Are you out at, at the conference in San Francisco? Yes. And so you're joining us super early. So I appreciate that. Yes. Uh, I know it's early for you out there. So what so far at the JP Morgan Conference has been kind of like the biggest headline takeaway? Has there been a lot of talk about AI? Um, absolutely. I just love it. There's a, there's a couple different ways um, that I've seen the excitement take form. Um, one of them is, of course, AI. It's no, it's no surprise. Um, NVIDIA actually attends the conference. Um, it was well attended last year. I will say this year was a little insane. We had overflow into the hallways of the conference center. Um, everyone was really just trying to, to take a look at what NVIDIA is doing in the healthcare space. They announced a couple of partnerships, um, again, more so in the drug discovery space. So in the healthcare um, sort of uh, tilt to AI, we've historically seen this by perhaps um, analyzing imaging 
um, and sort of helping radiologists uh, perhaps interpret imaging. Um, now we're seeing that move more towards either wearable technology, drug discovery, um, aiding in surgical robots. So really starting to see a lot of these newer categories accelerate. And this is where they're putting a lot of focus on, particularly when it comes to drug discovery. Um, a lot of partnerships with pharma and biotech, um, really seeing that sort of evolve, which is really exciting. So definitely AI being one of the, the key topics in the conference this year. Got it. And then another, I mean, you mentioned genomics. So we've seen some kind of bullish news in the last month or so coming from CRISPR and, and some of those other stocks. Do you expect this to be like a continuing storyline of 2024 going forward? Is this gene editing thing really like on the precipice? Are we close or is this, is this still something still years and years away? Um, it's definitely here, right? We saw an approval in December, not only in the US, but in the UK as well. Other approvals abroad also expected early in 2024. The data is really encouraging, right? Um, so it makes sense why we're starting to see approvals. Obviously, this is a whole new category, but beyond just gene editing, we're talking also gene therapy, cell therapy. Um, we're starting to see approvals here accelerate. Uh, last year, we saw six such approvals, a record-breaking number, again, in, including the first approval for gene editing. Um, so it's really exciting. We're also expecting significant approvals. In 2024, we're very excited about the, the potential for those approvals. And again, in the conference, we're seeing a lot of buzz about that, not only in terms of we're starting to see more approvals, but what does that mean from a payer perspective, right? From an economic standpoint, these treatments make sense. They're one and done. Um, with the hope of, of curing the patient. Um, longer term, it's significantly cheaper um, than having continuous therapies for patients or care for, for patients. So they make sense, right? But they obviously come with a hefty sort of one and done price, right? So we have to kind of change the way we frame these prices and how the industry will work towards commercialization of these treatments. So the, the data is there, we're very encouraged. And there's a lot of conversations at the conference this year as to how do we make this a reality for patients to actually have access to these life-saving treatments? Uh, good morning, Lee. Thanks for joining us here. Glad uh, to have a new guest on the show. Um, what I want to ask you about, I mean, a, a big part of medicine is obviously the treatments, but the most important aspect of medicine is diagnostics, right? And what are you seeing out there? I, I mean, I think the most you can have the diseases and you can treat them, but is it the most important thing preventing or finding the causes? What do you see out there is for in the uh, diagnostic and AI in the healthcare sector? It's a great question. When we think about um, how much difficult the job of a physician is to actually treat an illness once the patient has already developed that illness and it's quite progressed, it's obviously more, much more difficult. Um, so the ultimate goal is to be able to detect illnesses as early on in the process as possible. I will say a lot of the conversation in terms of diagnostics has, histori has historically been an oncology, understandably, and we have seen a lot of success in that regard. Um, just to give you perhaps a taste as to what that might look like, a lot of these tests traditionally happen through tissue biopsy. So say you have a potential mass in your lung, you'd have to have sort of an invasive surgery to actually get a tissue sample um, sequence that sample and see right what's what's happening. Um, a newer sort of uh, wave of innovation in this in this regard has been liquid biopsy, which is more so a blood-based test, um, not only to see if a patient actually has cancer or what stage that cancer is at, but also, for example, seeing um, what treatment might be most effective for this patient. Um, and even ultimately seeing if the patient is actually responding to treatment, actually measuring or quantifying the decrease in cancer cells in the blood. Um, there's companies like Exact Sciences, Garden Health, um, some really encouraging data coming out of these as well. Um, and again, being supported by that sequencing sort of sector, companies like Illumina, PacBio, et cetera. So um, a lot of excitement in that regard. I will say the next sort of phase that I've heard a lot about and definitely coming up here in San Francisco for the, for the conference, has been Alzheimer's. Um, we're seeing new drugs come to market for Alzheimer's, but we don't really, perhaps, we don't have the capabilities to actually prescribe those until, for example, we have um, the, the correct framework to categorize patients. So a lot of work being done right now in Alzheimer's to make sure that um, we're able to classify the disease as best as, as we can. Um, so definitely an emerging topic and, and something that should continue to be top of mind as we continue to, to sort of evaluate the healthcare space. You know, AI in the medical field really, it's been around for a while, right? So 
you know, investors without, you know, individual issues, looking at a stock like ISRG, right? That's been around for a long time. Do you think uh, investors are better off, you know, looking for that, you know, the new, you know, flashy company coming out or look at a company like ISRG? I mean, it's had its ups and downs over the years. Talk to us about some of the, the, you know, more, you know, classic AIs companies in the medical field that have been around for a while and, and improving themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Before we get to, for example, the surgical space, I, I will give a caveat as to AI and perhaps why the AI topic is so interesting in healthcare. Um, not only do we have to deal with a lot of patient data, a lot of this is currently done via paper. Say, for example, you have to communicate with insurance or with your patient. So much of this is currently done via fax, via snail mail. There's a really significant opportunity for healthcare focused tech companies to work towards digitization in the healthcare space that obviously makes AI models that much more reliable with the more information we have. Um, so again, it's, it's sort of a really interesting nuance in the healthcare space. The other one is, of course, we have to have a level of anonymity, um, really de-identifying this patient data to make sure that we're learning as much of it as we can. Again, that takes a lot of um, sort of nuance that perhaps other industries might not require. So again, sort of a, an interesting caveat in the healthcare sort of tilt to AI. Um, one of the applications is, of course, when we think about patient care, whether it be something um, like surgical robots, which are so exciting and are really being um, sort of leveraged via AI to improve patient outcomes. That's so exciting. Another one that's perhaps a little bit more tangible is wearable tech, whether it be a company like Dexcom, for example, iRhythm, um, really starting to improve and strengthen the way that we are able to diagnose and monitor illnesses, particularly in the chronic space. Again, we have an aging population fund. One of the things that we look at, for example, um, is how wearable devices, and particularly AI, are set to improve patient care for the elderly. Um, these are patients that might need a little bit of help in terms of taking their medication, um, more monitoring that is not necessarily scalable with actual labor. Um, so again, definitely areas where artificial intelligence can provide a lot of value. Just to finish up on this whole AI thing in the in the medical field, and and one talk about AI is it is it going to be something that's great for the economy? Right, we're going to become more efficient, more efficient in the medical field by having less workers. Do you see the technology that's out there developing AI in the medical field? I mean, we're going to get rid of doctors. We're going to have robo nurses. Uh, how do you look at it? What do you think the impact is going to be? on the employment situation in our country, the impact of AI and healthcare? It's it's a great question. When we look at the healthcare space, um, there's simply not enough supply to meet demand currently. Um, and it's largely because a lot of the time for a nurse or a physician is taken up, unfortunately, by operational things. Um, the more time from a physician or a nurse that we're able to free up for actual patient care will help bridge that gap that we have in terms of demand, especially when we consider, again, the aging population. Um, this set of patients has its own unique uh, set of, of needs, of characteristics. They usually have chronic illnesses. Again, we need more um, care, whether it be in mental health. 50% uh, of Americans don't actually have or, or live in an area where there's a shortage of mental health um, care, right? So we definitely see that that we want to free up as much time for, for care providers to actually be with patients. Another one that we're thinking, for example, is drug discovery. Um, I will say this has been leveraged for a while in terms of machine learning algorithms for drug discovery of making sure that before we actually test something in patients, we have the greatest confidence that it'll be as safe and as effective in a patient as possible, um, really helping pharma prioritize their spend. This is sort of the next wave of innovation in that regard. Um, and what we're seeing is that we're expected to have more efficacious, more successful drugs come to market at a much cheaper price, uh, ensuring that we have, again, the safest drugs coming to market. A lot of the times, for example, we might need measuring a clinical trial and might not actually be able to um, confidently say if it's as effective as possible. You might be making some assumptions, right? AI is, is certainly a way that we can leverage to make sure that we have as great as confidence as possible with drugs coming to market. So again, a lot of opportunities for AI and, and by no means do we expect it to sort of um, impact perhaps um, the labor market in that regard, more so in terms of empowering these people to do what they actually are there to do, rather than being bogged down by sort of the operational, um, more so manual pieces of the industry. Got it. Well, Lise, I want to uh, switch it up on you real quick, and I'm just going to selfishly ask about one of my own holdings real quick. 
Um, but Moderna has been trading for a while now as kind of a COVID-19 stock, of course, with its vaccine. Uh, stock got crushed after, you, you know, it stopped making as much money from those vaccines. But I don't I don't hold it from the for the COVID story. I like Moderna's long term story, what's coming down the road with its RNA technology. Uh, have you heard any, you know, anything from Moderna out of this JP Morgan healthcare conference? Are people starting to get excited about the company's post COVID story? Yeah, I definitely think so. And rightfully so, in my view, right? Um, to your point, they have a lot of really encouraging data coming out, not only in terms of COVID or flu or other infectious diseases, um, but saying cancer. Um, they're working in terms of inhaled mRNA uh, for cystic fibrosis. They have a lot of really interesting uh, stuff in the pipeline um, that really speaks to their broader opportunity. I think, especially in their presentation yesterday, I was very encouraged um, in terms of particularly their long-term vision. Um, they obviously have a lot of cash and seeing them in the way it has been deployed in the last couple of years in terms of prioritizing drug development, prioritizing those key indications or therapeutic areas that will become revenue generating moving forward um, it is really impressive. Um, even for example, they were chatting in terms of the average success rate for a phase one trial across the industry. I have the numbers actually is 35%. Their success rate for a phase one trial is 68%. Wow. For phase two, industry average is 27. Their average is 78. Um, wow. Right, really encouraging stuff that speaks to the technology of RNA, um, the potential beyond infectious diseases. Uh, and again, it speaks to their, their longer term opportunity. And I don't know. I mean, we, it, it's been impressive, I think, on our part that we've we've been talking biotech for the last, you know, 15 minutes or so and have not even mentioned any of the weight loss drugs yet, which, of course, has been the big story of last year. Um, are you still hearing as much buzz from, you know, Eli uh, Lilly and Norvo Nordisk at the uh, at the new conference? Is there is there any. I've, I've been seeing lots of stories about, you know, people coming with, uh, with problems where when they go off the drug, they're putting on more weight than when they started it. A lot of people started the drug with coupons, then those coupons have expired. Do you think there could be any any sort of fallout from these, you know, drugs or like these stocks could be in trouble? Or do you think it's just all all systems go? People are going to still be getting a, as the demand is still going to stay as high throughout 2024. Um, in my view, certainly the latter, right? If we think about even the supply to demand dynamic for GLP-1s like Ozempic, like Monjaro, Zephon, which was just approved, um, it's, it's really quite astonishing. So as we consider the demand profile for these drugs, at least for the next couple of years, while we're able to actually have enough supply uh, to service all of these patients that actually want to be on these treatments or are a good fit to be on these treatments, uh, that might not necessarily play a role in perhaps the success of them. Um, what we do consider, though, is how do we plan for longer term success here, right? We're seeing a lot of efforts from both of the companies, Eli Lilly and Novo Nordisk, um, to have oral versions of GLP-1s. Currently, it's an injection. Um, obviously, some patients might perhaps be less inclined to actually do an injection, particularly longer term. If we have an oral version of these treatments, um, it certainly provides sort of a, a, a moat to to again, offer different alternatives to patients. That's one way. Um, the other one is, of course, the broader ecosystem of care for these patients, which I think is still a little bit overlooked by a lot of companies. We're starting to see movement from Teladoc, even Dexcom, as to how do they position themselves as um, sort of a, a complement to GLP-1 drugs. We're starting to hear more about this, and I think it's starting to be well-received by investors. We need to really create an ecosystem of care, right? Whether it's particularly for obesity, um, to what extent are we going to taper off the, the treatment longer term? How are we going to have lifestyle choices uh, for the patient to actually have sustained weight loss? There's a lot of questions that still need to be sort of figured out in terms of how this will play out longer term. But again, a lot of work from different companies, particularly in our EDOC portfolio, telemedicine, digital health, um, that again, speak to perhaps uh, making sure that patients feel supported and, and not necessarily perhaps coming off of that treatment without guidance and then gaining that weight back. Lee's Dennis Dick here, and I'm going to selfishly ask about one of my stocks as well because AB did it with his Moderna. So I'm going to just stick on the obesity drugs theme here and ask you about Amgen because we uh, Kramer was interviewing him, uh, the CEO from Amgen, and they were talking about multiple weight loss drugs. I mean, we have seen the move in Eli Lilly. It's just been nothing short of incredible here, the excitement ahead of this. Amgen isn't getting the love here. Is it like their drugs is not going to be as good? Or is it just the story just hasn't got hot yet? Or do you follow Amgen and what are your thoughts here? 
Um, yeah, I, I'll speak more broadly in terms of sure. how competitors uh, can perhaps look at the, the GLP-1 space or even more broadly the obesity space. I think that currently the, the pie is growing at a rate that there's place for a lot of different companies to, to play out. Obviously, it's been historically a duopoly um, between Novo and Lilly. Uh, do I expect that to be the case longer term? I absolutely think that there's space for other companies. We've seen AstraZeneca, for example, also make efforts to expand here. Um, and I think they're worthwhile endeavors, right? Particularly when we look at, for example, the rate at which Novo and Lilly are in terms of um, oral expansion, manufacturing expansion, etc. I do think that they have a leg up in terms of short-term demand, certainly. But again, if we look at the penetration rates for um, type 2 diabetes and obesity, they're still very, very low. Um, both in the U.S. and abroad. Um, there's still a lot of space to, to sort of be captured here. Um, and again, definitely place for, for Amgen, for AstraZeneca and beyond to, to really play a pivotal role as well in this in this broader growth. All right, well, Lisa, I've got, uh, you know, one last question. This will probably be the toughest one of the of the day for you. Are you ready? Ready. Do you get to help name these ETFs? Because like BFIT is a great name for a, for a healthcare ETF. And I don't know if that's like a specific job that someone has, but if I ever, you know, need a change of career, I would love to be the person that gets to name these ETFs. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, BFIT is our wellness ETF. Um, so certainly an appropriate ticker. Um, and yeah, we, we do play a role in uh, the sort of ticker uh sort of creative hat for for when these new funds come to market. We've had some really cool ones, um, particularly uh, whether it be in terms of entrepreneurship or the tech side. Uh, it's certainly a really fun sort of portion of the role. Um, glad they resonate well. And again, uh, making sure that that sort of things like genome and EDOC uh, are certainly top of mind when we're talking about these really encouraging um, broader innovations in the space that present a really compelling opportunity for investors. Do you have like any all-time favorite ETF names? Uh, it's hard. I am definitely biased towards Gino. I think it's a, a very appropriate, perhaps less boring alternative. Um, I, I will say that one. Uh, Bots is another favorite. B-O-T-Z. Oh, yeah. Um, it's, again, sort of easily resonates with the public. Um, I will say those are, are my top two. There you go. Well, Lise Augusto, again, healthcare analyst over at Global X ETFs. Thanks for hopping on Benzinga's pre-market prep today. First time guest. And you got up early for us, which I really appreciate. Hope you enjoy the rest of your time out in California at the JP Morgan Healthcare Conference. And uh, we hope to have you on again at some point in the future. Sounds good. Thanks so much. Of course. All right, guys. Again, that was Lisa Gusto from Global X ETF. Great job. I just gotta I gotta give credit where credit's due here. AB, I told him to dig up and I well, I told him about the healthcare conference. I told him to uh to find a new guest and uh, he hit it out of the park. So we will be we will be keeping Aaron through the end of the week. Huh. <laughs> Lee saved, saved my job for at least a couple more days. Got two more days here. Keep the guests coming, A B. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, all right, guys. I, I I feel like we kind of brushed over earlier. I mean, if we want to go back to some of those retail stocks, the mall stocks, I was gonna say yeah. I was gonna say, yeah. Joel, I think it's good that you didn't end up buying anything from Dillard's because uh if they did stick you on one of those Boeing 747s, it's probably good that you didn't bring any extra weight or any extra luggage on that flight. So if you came out of Dillard's with a whole box of things, uh, you know. I, I don't know. It's I, I'm just saying it's good that I think the plane couldn't fit anything else in my carry-on bag. No, there that's you a go. Whole, yeah. That's a that's a whole that's an, a whole nother story. But uh, just uh, real real quick, we're gonna get to a few more stocks here. We haven't. Uh, I don't know if we've gone to um, uh, the chat at all, but Dennis, we're just kind of hanging. We were green. We were mm -hmm. nicely green, and now we're just kind of leaking. Are you seeing anything? I'm in the balance land. The only thing I get up, I do my levels. I'm just, I'm just a little concerned about the resistance uh, forming in here at 4,800. Are you seeing anything out there in the stocks? Um, it's mixed. Again, we are seeing wicked rotation here. It seems on a daily basis when they're selling one sector, they're buying another one. The inverse correlation with oil and stocks is back once again here. Oil having a really rough day a couple of days ago stocks ripping higher really on that as well uh -huh. and then oil opening higher yesterday but then closing weak is why i think you know you saw stocks open weaker and then start to close stronger so this inverse correlation with oil is real um so just keep that in mind when you're trading that we haven't got away from that it's probably because this is a cpi week too and i mean 
oil yeah. is the only real tradable thing that people are really look at. They can, you know, when you talk about inflationary stuff, I mean, people can see the price of the pumps. So, I mean, when oil starts to sell off, everybody's like, here we go, deflation. This is what we need. You know, if oil starts to rip, they're like, oh, no, this is going to be. And even though it's not a huge portion of the CPI, we know it's in there. And it's the obvious one that we can see. So this inverse correlation between equities and oil still remains. It won't remain forever. And once we stop worrying about inflation, this inverse correlation probably breaks down. But right now you have to respect it because this inflation issue has been eased but is still not gone. Uh, one oil stock I've been watching recently, kind of getting beaten down. Uh, Oxy recently has not Ooh. been uh, trading any higher. One of one of Buffett's stocks. Oh, look at that! I, yeah, Mark. this one's starting to get interesting to me. And again, I don't want to give too much away from my acronym, but uh, you know, who knows? There could be some Oxy in there. There could be some Alibaba in there. We'll see. You got to stay tuned to Benzinga's pre market prep to figure out the full one. Um, but my question for you is more of like a macro type thing. And so Oxy. And a lot of these other big players in the energy space are now allocating a lot of resources toward clean energy. And my question is, if you wanted to do a like clean energy, clean tech play for the long term, where are you better off going with some of these newer small companies that got to compete with these guys? Or are you better off going with some of these companies like Oxy that already have the infrastructure that are now transitioning into maybe a cleaner type of energy production? And I mean, that transition is going to take a very long time. And the issue that we also have is um, that, you know, let's take it right back to the automotive companies here, because obviously oil, you know, is a big portion of what goes into gasoline. And, you know, we've been talking about the move to EVs. Well, that transition has not been easy for anyone except Tesla. So, I mean, you look here and you think, well, you know, five to 10 years from now, we're all going to be driving EVs. I'm not so sure about that anymore. So, you know, oil still has its place in this economy here, and it could be here for still a very long time. So, you know, they are trying to transition to cleaner sources. You know, you see like Suncor, for instance, you know, just example, Suncor are big here in Canada. They've got huge wind turbine fields, you know, they're trying to do other things. So it's not like, you know, oh, yeah, we're just going to keep, you know, doing, you know, the dirty oil stuff and not, you know, see the forest through the trees here. They know they, you know, with the, you know, the climate is an issue they know they've got to get it cleaner here and they know eventually there will be a bigger movement to ev cars so you know and then you've got to figure out you know where is your next source of revenue coming from if people are going to drive and use less gasoline that's still the big driver of oil prices so i think there is a play to still own some of these oil companies to your point that they will find ways to produce cleaner and different types of energy but i think we're a long ways Still from, you know, like Kathy would, wouldn't have you believe that we're all going to be driving EVs next year. I just don't see it happening that quickly. Again, Ford, GM backing off on their investments in EV here, which is a scary thought if you're like rah, rah, bullish EV, which I was once upon a time getting punished for it with my lithium holdings. Uh, Dennis, just before uh, before we start to wrap things up here, I just want to, you know, um, I was here the first week of the year, then out the last couple of days. And, you know, we talk about, you know, the unusual move that we had in December, right? Really October, November, December here. And then I'm looking at some of these stocks that you were like hesitant to put on your shopping list because they had like such big runs. Uh, like I'm looking at uh, Solar Edge so far, having a you know a rough 2024. Yeah. Same thing with First Solar here. Uh, just you know, just your overall you know rotation, how things are you know the Santa Claus rally, the January effect. I mean, to me, seems like the jury's still out. Throw that TLT chart on top of that SEDG chart. You've just got a leveraged play on interest rates. We've talked about this before. These solar companies, are it's so much financing that is involved in purchasing their products that if higher rates start to, to come back, and that is what has happened. I mean, just quietly here, TLT sold off from 196, starting to sell off. Well, it's not a coincidence. Some of these solar companies are starting to sell off here too. That is a relationship that I've been trading for a very long time here, the last year. Um, it's hard to get bullish solar when TLT starts to weaken. You see TLT start to rip higher? That's the days you want to own solar. So um, that relationship is there and it is real. Yeah. And I do, I do think, uh, or, or Joel, 
give us the rundown for uh for who's coming on tomorrow. We've got a big morning in terms of CPI, of course, coming out at 8:30. Gonna be the market mover tomorrow. Inflation is expected to come down slightly. Well, core CPI is expected to come down year over year. And then the regular ones actually expected to take higher. So it might be kind of a confusing report. So I hope we got someone good to help us walk it, walk us through it. Well, I mean, I know I do a great, you did a great job bringing in this guest today, but who else would we have on a day with inflation data? Who and, else? And, and on a week that we have Michigan winning a national exactly. championship. Exactly. It just all fit in perfectly here. And we know who you're talking about. Blue Putnam. You're my boy. Everything is blue. This is a blue week, man. It's a blue week. He may not spell it B-L-U-E, but we can, you know, it still sounds the same. You're my boy, Blue. You're my boy. And and you want to hear something else? I I, I made a, a joke to him in the email. I'm like, yeah, I know what. I always knew you'd be a great guest because of your name, Blue, Blue Putnam. And he actually sent me, or he, he responded back that he his wife has some relatives in Ann Arbor. And they buy them Michigan shirts all the time. Oh, to say, wow. get, yeah, they say, uh, go blue. So that's it. I'm glad to be back. Triple D, you made it all the way through, man. Yeah, I, I know. Said, like when she was talking about these Moderna, like, you know, flu <laughs> drugs here, I was like, I could use some of those right now because my head is pounded. I am trying to get through this for you here, but there's been a wicked little virus. Hoping, you know, day five, sure as heck, it's got to start going away soon, but. I'm fighting for you guys. We're fighting here. Yeah, we'll make sure to stay hydrated. Thanks, Dennis, for powering through. Smash the like, if not for our new guest today, Lisa Gusto. If not for Joel coming back from the national championship, smash it for Dennis powering through his illness. (laughs) Uh, Smash it for AB, who's doing a fantastic job here, bringing in the gas. Um, You had big shoes to fill. You're doing a fantastic job once again here, AB. Um, Enjoying uh, working with you. Appreciate it. Well, let's wait to see how my acronym performs before we say how how well I'm doing <laughs> or not. But uh, all right, guys, we'll be back tomorrow, 8 a.m. Eastern. You know where to find us, Benzinga's YouTube. Make sure to like and subscribe if you haven't already. Again, have a great day. We'll be doing live trading starting right after this. The stream will redirect you, so do not go anywhere. Stay tuned. My man Faluna is about to take it away. <laughs>